0: Tech Pan, Guatemala, and uh, Ken Sparks is here, and uh, uh, I don't see Chris Burley. Chris is, where's Chris? Chris, are you here? There's Chris. He's hanging out right there. Chris is here as what's well. It's dark. You can't see him. But Ken, we are so honored that Hope Chest is here with us today and uh, um, partnering with us here at 1910. So I want to start with you by just kind of, would you paint a picture to, to our folks as to who Hope Chest is and what you do?
1: Well, delighted to do so, and thank you for having us here this morning. Uh, you are about to en- embark on a journey with uh, a community in Guatemala through our organization called Children's Hope Chest. And Hope Chest is a 20-year-old uh, organization that started with a ministry in Russia, two Russian orphanages, and uh, about eight years, nine years ago, we branched out into eight other countries around the world. So we presently work in Russia, Ethiopia, Uganda, Swaziland, Uh, India, Moldova, Haiti, and also Guatemala. The best. The best. The best. Uh, What we do is we connect communities like you with a care point overseas, what we call a care point. But it's a community in a foreign land. And that particular uh, community has been identified by our indigenous staff that are located around the world as a community in need deep in poverty and opportunities to release vulnerable children into the full likeness of who God created them to be. And that's what we basically are about. What we want to do is ignite hope through true partnerships, true, true relationship. And isn't that what we're all about, is about relationship with God and with each other? Absolutely. And so what we do is we encourage you to join uh, with us and through you to your own community that you're partnering with. So
0: we're partnering with TechPan Guatemala. So tell us what that looks like. So when we say we're going to partner in TechPan, what does that mean?
1: All right. Many of you have probably heard of other sponsorship, uh, child sponsorship organizations, and we're a little bit different. Yes, there is the component of sponsorship, which you're going to hear about a little bit more here in a few minutes. But it's about you as a community, as a church, coming alongside through your leadership and together with you to invest in that community in terms of relationship, in terms of helping the development plan that we have identified with in that community with those community leaders. We don't go in and ask, what do you need? It's what assets might you have that can release your community into a stronger relationship through Christ? Yeah, that's good. So our inroad in is through a school. That's right. Tell us how that works. The school in this particular community, TechPan, there is a, a Christian school that ministers into the community, both in terms of educationally as well as reaching in and providing support and necessary food and clothing and, um, and sometimes shelter. They've actually gone in and built, rebuilt some homes. Mm. Uh, so in any event, your, your partnership is allowing the children that have been identified as vulnerable within that community to continue in their schooling to typically get what is often their only meal of the day at the school itself, Uh, Also, they get uh, clothing and medical needs are met each year. Uh, And then there's the opportunity for you to go and visit and build a relationship with them. Right. So our sponsorship
0: with the school there is $38 per child. Now, Ken, why, why is that important? Why is the money so important? Because you were talking with me earlier about schooling, whether that be public
1: or private school there. Explain that. That's right. We think of public school here in the U.S. as something that is, A, free although we all pay taxes, uh, but it's free and it's mandatory. In the countries we work in, that is not the case. Oftentimes, or almost always, the public school, in order to attend, you must pay for school supplies and a uniform, and in most cases, these families cannot afford to do that, so their children are then relegated to helping support the family in income generation, and so oftentimes, they'll send them to the fields, and in the area in which you are partnering, yes, it's a small city, of about 60,000, but it's an agrarian community around them, and oftentimes these children are sent to the fields to work in order to provide money for the family just to basically survive. So the partnership and the sponsorship allows for, to free that family from that kind of cycle of poverty that's created, to allow that child to attend school and begin to look up, instead of down on survival day to day, but to begin to look to the horizon and understand who they are in Christ and who they can be in the image of God absolutely absolutely that's good so i'm going to shift to ann real quick because ann
0: is is going to be leading the charge kind of beating the drum for us here when it comes to not only guatemala but any foreign missions opportunities that we we embark upon as a church but but ann what what is it about this that is exciting to you
2: Um, we've been praying about this for a long time and i really felt that I heard so many families here talking about we really would like some more opportunities to get involved in foreign missions. We really want to go. We want our families to be involved. What does that look like? And so as we were looking um, at locations, we really wanted a location that was not 24 hours or 48 hours on an airplane, but we wanted something that was more local, something that we could get to. um, In Guatemala's case, it's a half a day. We can travel and be there with boots on the ground in a half a day's time. And that really allows and open up, opens up doors for us to take our kids with us, get them introduced to what missions really looks like and what poverty really looks like, and that begins to bring it home. Not only do we see vast rewards with the people that we support and we sponsor over there, but then we're bringing it into our own homes and we're allowing our children to be transformed by the partnership that we're forming with these children as well as the community as a whole.
0: Yeah, some of the trips that you and I have been on have been like two-day travel time and you get there and and for the next two days you're you're exhausted worn out and before you know it's time to get on the plane and go back home so this is like a I think we went in January Pastor Howard and Ann and I went uh, along with Ken and some other churches as well we went in January and in three and a half hours we were in Guatemala City um, right I I, I kind of didn't feel like I was on a mission trip I almost felt I mean you can't get can't, get to New York in three and a half hours not I'm not here. sure. Yeah, it's just, but it was so the ease of it was great. And, and, and you mentioned families being able to do this together and the cost maybe exactly being a little bit uh, cheaper. So um, wh- where are we at as far as our plans and, and what's happening and kind of what are, where are we at in the process? What are the next steps?
2: Well, first of all, we have children that are available that currently are not able to pay for their schooling. This, the school that we partnered with, Colegio Israel, is an amazing school with a heart very much like 1910. They're not going to turn a child away. And especially if they hear about a child in need, they're going to go out and they're going to rescue that child. They actually use the terms, we want to find and rescue our children in this community. Hmm. And that obviously hit on our hearts. In pretty- that aren't able to pay. And those are the 80... 80- They're a little bit less now because First Service had um, an opportunity. But there are kids out there that need our sponsorship in order to um, fully pay for their schooling. Um, And then we're going to take a trip over with our leadership team later this year to meet with the leaders at – Israel, and we're going to talk through what, what their development plan is. And like Ken said, it's not what they want. It's what are your dreams for this community? Yeah. And so we're going to partner with them to make those things come to life. And we're going to be announcing future trips that will be specifically um, related to different ways that we can help them, whether it be building or a VBS or a youth camp. We'll have all different aspects so that there will be a trip, hopefully, that will strike a chord with you and you can go and be a part
0: and that's the cool thing about it. It's so easy to get there that we're envisioning multiple trips throughout the year, not a kind of a one-and-done type of, of opportunity, right? Right. And, and those will arrange. Of course, we're, and, and I love what we were sharing with the team last night. So many times we as Americans go into a foreign situation like this, and we go in with, with our plans and what we think they need and what have you. So I love what Ann alluded to, the approach is coming alongside, and Kenya as well, partnering, seeing, hey, what are you guys doing already, and how can we partner with, with what is um, taking place there. So, and today then, it starts with our, our first entry point is, is the children that we see hanging right. in the atrium today, and that costs... It's
2: $38 a month, and what we ask is you go out and you identify a child, you unclip them, and take them to somebody who has a scarf and an iPad, and they will help you sign up to sponsor that child. Um, from there, you will get further information from Hope Chest that will give you more background on your child, and then you get to form that relationship. You get to write them letters and get letters back, and, and the great thing about this is you also get to go and live in their community during these different trips. You get to hug on them. You get to meet their parents. You get to pray for them in person, and then when you're at home, you can continue that, that prayerful um, lifting up of them each day. Um, but knowing their face and knowing their touch. Yeah. And there's nothing better than having another child in another country. I mean, you, you really bring them into your home as if they were your own.
0: That's one of the cool nope. things about yeah, this nice. with, with Hope Chess is that a little bit different than maybe some other organizations. We can actually go down.
1: Right. And see that kid as often as we want. Exactly right. And the, and the sponsorship is the first step. You individually to the child, but then you as a collective community, as 1910... Rallying around the vision of helping this community and these children rise to their own self sustainability. We, we do not want to create a donor dependency. That is not what this is about. This is not an endless appeal for continuous sponsorship forever. Right. What we want to do is allow these uh, children and their families and the community to get a hand up, not a hand out so that they have the ability to create self-sustainability amidst their own community. That's why we don't go in and say, this is what you need. It's more, what are the assets here? How do we release these to allow this cycle of poverty to end and for people to really realize who they are in God?
0: Absolutely. That's great. Hey, Ann, put you on the spot. What are you most excited about?
2: You know, we have a child that we have sponsored for over five years now, and that has made such a life-changing impact on our family. What I'm excited about is to see that take place in other families in Mm. our community. Plus, this school has the ability to continually add kids to this program as we get more sponsors. So we're not limited by the 80. We just need a place to start. Um, So I'm excited to see families truly just their hearts change towards missions as this being a first step into what that looks like for their entire family.
0: That's awesome. Colegio de Israel has 370 students in it right now, and uh, they kind of come in shifts. It's not just one shift. They have Morning and afternoon, and even some evening classes, I believe, is and that weekend right? too. And weekends, too. weekends as well. That's what's and, and, wrong and with adult, our public education. And adult system. education, on top we of that. We need as to well. go on the weekends
1: to school. Students. I heard it first. I didn't let's say all that. I
0: pause and pray about that right now. Just, just kidding. Um, 370 students, and I think I was reading correctly, about 50% of those are, are actually sponsored right now or scholarship. And so there are several, even without that, in that community, still longing. Uh, to get connected. Tech Pan uh, is uh, was the original capital of Guatemala. Um, and uh, I, it's very agricultural driven. I love it. It's lush, it's green. In fact, we flew into Guatemala City. Guatemala City is busy, crazy busy, lots of, of traffic. Ken had us leaving our guest house like at 3:30 in the morning, it seemed like, to to, to go minister. I uh, just, I, I hate it. We had to find Gen a Ken. coffee shop yeah. first. Coffee shop, that's right. But about two, and a half, two hour drive, depending on traffic out, drive past volcanoes, but just agricultural. Tech is at 7,500 feet elevation. Now, I say that because that means cooler weather, right? Bernie's about 1,600 feet, I guess. And so the elevation change, it's, it's incredible. Uh, the you, people, it's cooler
1: and, and less bugs at 7,500 Less bugs,
0: that's right. No bugs. I like that. I would say none. None. But- that's fewer, a stretch. Fewer. Pastorally speaking, no bugs. No bugs. Yeah. Uh, we lie a lot as preachers, but that's okay. Um, um, Mayan, strong, 85 to 90% of the people that inhabit that city are of Mayan descent. Um,
1: uh, There's some Mayan ruins not too far from the city itself.
0: That's right. Some Mayan ruins. Don't yeah. climb up on those unless you have permission because it's true. very disrespectful. Absolutely. So, but we're excited about the opportunity. So, as you heard from Ann, starts today. Sponsorship. Look for somebody with the groovy scarf. iPads. I thought those. I caught a couple of them playing Tetris oh. earlier today. I don't think they were helping people. Ann. So, uh, sorry. Uh, you know, we'll and, work on that. Absolutely. But today's the day.
2: Yes. And please do not leave with a card without seeing somebody with an iPad, because there's no way we can connect you with that child. So, if you ha- if you take a card. Um, go up with somebody with an iPad, get signed up. If you're thinking about it, Trust me, we will have more kids available in the future, available through our community page, which will be online. Yeah. And you can do it there as
0: well. If we run out of kids today, I'll put my two daughters up for adoption. So so it would be great. So I'm ready. Yeah, but to I get, heard
1: you say earlier, I I those are 3,800 a month. I need
0: 3,800 a month, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Not 3,800 so, for so, yeah. special folks out there.
0: Well, hey, listen, Ken, I want to thank you guys. Chris, Hope, Chess, thanks for having enough confidence in us. I thought with Pastor Howard on the trip in January that we blew all chances of partnering with you guys. <laughs> But um, It was close. It was close. No, we had a great time there. And, uh, hey, out of the three churches, we were your
1: favorite on the trip, though, weren't we? Well, you know, they made me go back to Tech Pan a second time. That's right. But hey, that's the beautiful thing. Hey, we found an incredible
0: restaurant in Tech Pan. You know me. I'm only going to go where the food is good. Amen? Amen. God can send other people other places. But wherever there's a lot of good food. I don't truth. have to pray hard about that place. I'm joking, people. I'm joking. My wife gets on to me, Jason, they don't know if you're telling the truth. Uh, I'm joking. But no, there is good food there. But guys, listen, today, so as we leave here today, please know that, that there's some opportunities for you to, to, to find a, a child out there that needs a sponsor for $38 a month. Uh, we have an opportunity to help provide food, clothing, medical assistance, schooling, education, as well as discipleship opportunities
1: for these kids in tech pants. So. It's very true. And I just want to encourage you to take the first step. Yeah. It's not the only step. And in the opportunity for your life to be transformed. I'm, I'm one of those that was. I was one of you sitting in the pew today mm. who helped contribute toward a project overseas. thought it was a great idea. That, in, that little contribution became involvement, then involvement became leadership, leadership yeah. became passion, and I left 30 years of corporate world a year and a half ago to join Hope Chest. And so, not that you have to do that, um, but my point is, is that this relationship can impact you just as much as you're impacting them, and so I would ask that you'd open your heart to that thought and that process, Amen. and uh, you will be changed. Amen. Well, Ken and
0: Ann, thank you guys so much. Can y'all just give them a round of applause? and show honor. Thank you guys so much for that. It's awesome. So uh, we are excited. And I know that it was kind of like you were bobbing and weaving, trying to make your way through the atrium today, but we wanted you to just be able to see the beautiful faces of of the kids there. And uh, uh, we are excited guys about what God has in store. And please know our hearts. Uh, Our missions philosophy here at 1910 is this, wherever God is at work, that's where we want to be you hear that let me say that again because that's good you can tweet that wherever God is at work that's where we want to be now that may be across the street in the neighborhood you live in that may be across the state in another country like Oklahoma (laughs) sorry or maybe in Guatemala across the ocean so wherever God's at work is where we want to be amen You know, that's the purpose of 1910. We've always been about finding and restoring. We've always been about, God, where are those people that have yet to experience your love and the grace and mercy that you offer them? And God, how can we reach out to them to share your story? But God, not only do we want them to come to know you as Lord and Savior, but we want to grow them. We want to make disciples. You know that we as a church, we're not called to make converts, We're called to make disciples. You know that, right? And so many times we stop at the conversion aspect of it all. But we believe that God wants people to enter into a thriving, growing, daily relationship with him. Amen? And so uh, wherever that sends us, wherever God calls us to go, that's where we want to go as a church We wanna run to those that are oppressed. We wanna go to those that in our society are oftentimes labeled as vulnerable. Today, I wanna speak to you real quick about some acts of righteousness. And I want us to talk about that for just a few moments today before I let you go out into the atrium and respond as the Lord leads you to. We don't willfully turn a blind eye to those around us that are in need, I don't think. I don't think most of us in this room willfully turn, turn our eyes away from injustices that we see going on around us. I mean, I believe that usually we, we have the best intentions when it comes to compassion. I, I believe that our hearts all long for world change. But yet what happens so oftentimes in our lives is, is we become distracted. We can become preoccupied with other things. We get caught up in the next deadline that we need to meet. We get caught up in the next work day and and, and what that schedule, the day, and you'll go ahead and look at, at your agenda tomorrow to see what the day looks like. We get caught up in that next distraction that's blinking on our phone. It was interesting in the first service today, we're up here interviewing and, and several cell phones started, beep, 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 you know, flash flood warning and all that. And everybody's like, oh, look at, you know, and that how we are, we're just, We're just so distracted and we get caught up in all of those things. We get caught up in what I call me-centered living. Even when faced with the world's profound needs, our our, our self-preoccupation can slip into complacency. And the end result is what I call apathy. Somehow we have just stopped caring. Not intentionally, but life just takes over. And we focus on our own needs and our own survival. And somehow we just kind of push to the boundaries, the needs of others around us. You know, apathy is the easy road when the horrors of, of life gone wrong disconcert us. Before we realize that it becomes our, our, our default habit because it requires so little change. Just as long as it's not interrupting my life and what I have going on. Well, today I'd like for us to think about something completely the opposite of that and, and, and how we might reject apathy. And I, I believe that it's gonna require a radical counteraction. I, I, I believe it's about, about to, uh, us just destroying this, this self-centeredness, this, this me-ism that has consumed so many of us And looking around the needs around us and seeing God, how can we be a part and respond to those in need? And today we reject apathy because God calls us to embrace something far stronger and that is life. He's calling us to embrace life. You see, because the God who made us in his image has imprinted that same divine thumbprint on the soul of every human being, including those that are poor, including those that are weak, those that are powerless. Because as Christians, we we follow Jesus. We follow this radical rabbi that that said words like this in Luke chapter 4. He said this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring what news? The good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You see, we need to realize this very truth that from the womb to the cradle, To the wheelchair, to the grave. Human life is created by God and it's precious to Him. You can say amen there, that's okay. And so, therefore, life is worth protecting, it is worth championing, and it's worth celebrating. After all, didn't we look at some of the words that Christ said last Sunday in our, in our, in our sermon? In, in John chapter 10, it was Jesus himself that said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, life to the abundant, life that is the best life available today. That's the reason I came I came to give that to you and make no mistake about it it's not just spiritual life but it's whole life life it's the kind of life that will thrive spiritually and physically and emotionally and mentally are you with me today church you see following such a savior we answer god's call for kingdom justice not because we ought to not because we feel guilty or 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 simply want to jump on on the bandwagon of some trendy cause or cool organization like children's hope chest no here's the deal we reject apathy because we believe that all human life is sacred all human life not just americans Not just Anglo, not just those who who vote Republican or Democrat or write my name in. Let's just see what happens. All life is sacred. Are you with me today, church? All life. All life. Why should we be concerned? about those in our world that are considered the vulnerable ones, it's really easy because God is concerned about them. Why would we consider going to Guatemala to sponsor children there so that they can receive an education and, and maybe a good meal and, and maybe a uniform and the supplies they need. And, and oh yeah, by the way, maybe come face to face with Jesus and develop a growing relationship. Why would we do that? Well, because God cares about them. And he desires that they also receive this full and abundant, rich and satisfying life that he came to give everyone. Are you with me? You know, it's striking to see how oftentimes God is referred to and introduced as the defender of such vulnerable people. You know, when when people oftentimes ask, hey, Jason, how do you want to be introduced? Maybe I'm speaking somewhere or about to say a prayer or I don't know. How do you want us to introduce you? Normally, I just say, hey, just say, hey, something like this. This is Jason Brown. He's a lead pastor at 1910 Church here in Bernie, Texas. Um, of course, I, I am many, many other things than that. But that's the main thing that I spend, you know, the, the, the majority or significant part of my life Doing, but, but don't miss this. When, 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 when the biblical writers would introduce who God is, do you know how they oftentimes introduced him? I, I love what it says in Psalm chapter 68. They introduced God as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. You see, even the writers in scripture knew God's heart and his nature. They knew that his heart raced and beat strong and fast for those that were vulnerable. I mean, this is one of the main things that he does. God identifies with the powerless. He takes up their cause. Pastor Tim Keller in New York City wrote a book entitled Generous Justice and I would encourage you to, to pick that up. Another book I believe that Ken, you and Hope Chess have recommended is When Helping Hurts, I believe is another great read. But, but I love this book uh, Pastor uh, Tim Keller wrote called Generous Justice and, and in it I love how he defines this word justice. And, and he says this, he says, if you want an umbrella definition of justice, here it is, it's this. Giving people what they deserve. That's justice. It's giving people what they deserve. Now, in our culture, a lot of times this word justice has a negative connotation with it, doesn't it? But I want you to know that there's also, and Dr. Keller would say, there's a positive aspect to it as well. You see, on the negative side, justice means that we find evildoers and we stop them, right? Right? We tase them. We take them down, man. We arm bar them and just throw them to the mat. We stop them. But on the positive side of this word justice, we're to look to those in our world that are vulnerable. We are to look to people that are made in the image of God and we're to ask ourselves these questions. Are they getting the kind of care that they're due? I mean, as, as, as beings that are made in the image of God, are they being cared for properly? That's justice. It's not just taking care of the bad guys, but it's also giving those that are vulnerable and powerless. It's taking care of them because they're that. They are made in the image of God. Of God. Church, can I tell you something? We have an obligation to care for the vulnerable and powerless in our culture. An obligation. We are to care for them, we are to protect them. That's our job. That's our job. This is good, but this is not our job. We're called the powerless those on the fringes of society and protect them and to care for them. How do we do that? By giving them what is due them. By giving them what they as as God's image bearers are owed. That's what justice is. Giving people what they're due. And so, yes, on one aspect, we punish evildoers. But on the other side, we care for the vulnerable. Does that make sense to you today? I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 28. Do you guys like the Bible? Yeah. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 3, 27. It says, do not withhold good from those who, what? Deserve it. When it's in your power to help them, If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, hey, come back tomorrow and I'll help you then. Now, the Hebrew here essentially says this, do not withhold the good that belongs to your neighbor. And and, and what it's doing here in Proverbs 3, it, it is conveying the idea that your neighbor has a claim on you just by simply being your neighbor. What's more, this verse tells us that we have the power to do good, whether that is by helping an elderly neighbor who who can't clean her own house. We have the power to do good maybe by tutoring a, a neighborhood kid whose family can't afford to pay for someone to come alongside of them and help them with their schoolwork. And we even have the ability to do good by sponsoring a child in another country so they can receive the food and medical assistance they need. That they can receive the opportunity to go to school. That there's an opportunity made for them to be discipled in the ways of God. We have the power to do good, to help them. Have you ever found yourself reading a passage of scripture that you've seen several times and you read it again and there's something new that just kind of comes off the page? You ever done that? There's a verse of scripture. Something happened like that to me as I was reading and studying and preparing uh, for the sermon this week. And I read this passage in Matthew chapter 6 and I'd seen it before, but I never really understood or saw something new. And by the way, truth is not discovered, it is revealed. It is revealed. When you're reading scripture and something like that is made known to you, it's not because of you and seeing, oh, look. No, it's the Holy Spirit of God revealing something to you in a new way. Are you with me? Truth is not discovered. It is revealed. Tweet that mess. That's good. And as I was reading Matthew 6, there's something in relation to scripture that I had not seen before. And it's this. In the scripture, gifts to the poor are called acts of righteousness Now, if I were to ask every one of you in this room today, how many of you long to be righteous people? I mean, how many of you long to live lives that are considered righteous? We all would love to live like that. Some of you used to walk around saying, righteous, dude, didn't you? We all long to live righteously. The righteous brothers. Didn't they sing what was their famous song? You've lost that Come on, folks. I'm too young to know that. I've forgotten my oldest daughter's birthday, but I know the righteous brothers. Amen. This was interesting to me when I read this, that in Scripture, gifts to the poor are called acts of righteousness. Now, not giving generously then, it's probably safe for me to say it's not stinginess. But it's unrighteousness. And unrighteousness is a violation of God's law. It's interesting to me that in the Old Testament book of Job, Job chapters 29 and in Job chapter 31, Job makes a list of things that God requires of him in his relationship with others. And at one point it occurs to him that if, if he keeps his food and his fleece, in other words, if he doesn't share with the poor, Job is saying that violates God's will. In, in God's eyes, being generous with the poor is part of what it means to be rightly related to others. And so as you read the book of Job, you see Job call every failure to help the poor. He calls it a sin. In fact, in Job 31, 23, he calls it offensive to God's splendor. And in verse 28, he would say, it is deserving of judgment and punishment. Remarkably, as you read this, Job is asserting that that it would be a sin against God to think of his goods as belonging to himself alone. Let me say that again. Job would say that it is a sin for him to consider his goods as belonging to him alone. But yeah, that's exactly what so many of us believe, isn't it? That my stuff is my stuff. I worked hard for the money. So hard for it, honey. I work hard. It's my boat. It's my house. It's my paycheck. This is mine, mine, mine. It's my dear lease. It's my car. It's, Job's just has this aha moment. He's saying, hey, listen, that is sinful to think that the things we have are ours. I had an epiphany this week. I don't know what that word is, but it's something awesome happened. I was sitting there this week thinking about my oldest daughter, Madison. She's about to graduate. We think she's going to graduate. Not quite sure, but we think she's going to make it. And I've got just a few weeks left with Madison at my house. And, and there's an aspect of me that's like going, oh my gosh, heart wrenching, heartbreaking. There are sometimes I'm like, tomorrow, take, man, I, I'm about to lose my daughter. And you know what the Lord showed me this week? Jason, she's not your daughter. She belongs to me. She's my daughter. Yes, I have entrusted to you, and sometimes I question why, but I've entrusted to you Madison for 18 years to train her up in the way she should go. She's like, Bryce, to you guys, make you cry. There's tissue right here, it's awesome. But she's not mine. Isn't that how we are as Americans? I think it's my stuff, it's mine. What if I were to pop your bubble today? And let you know that your stuff really isn't yours. So, so many of us have a death grip. And, and and when when pastors or men like say, hey man, guys, guys, listen, don't forget your tithe and bring your offering and, and like don't be telling me what to do with my money. That's how we are, aren't we? It's my stuff. And I love what Job says here. And keep in mind when Job's writing this, he's lost everything. He lost it all. He's been broken, destroyed. He's at the bottom and has nothing except a nagging wife. Really, he does. And some friends that just give him the business. And Job is saying, "Listen, for me to think that my goods are my goods and belong to me and not to God that is sinful." Job writes here that not to share his bread, not to share his assets with the poor, that would be unrighteousness. That is a sin against God and therefore, by definition, a violation of God's justice. Wow. So here's the question I have for us in closing today. You're ready to go. I know you're hungry. It's all right. It's good. But here's what I would like to ask you today. In in hearing a vision of of Tecpan Guatemala, aren't they awesome? They're beautiful. Seeing their faces, looking at scripture and and seeing what God says and and how he responds to, to those that are vulnerable and powerless in our culture. How will we respond? What will we do with this biblical mandate to show justice? Will will we be people that that immerse ourselves in these acts of righteousness, giving generously to those around us? That may be the neighbor who lives across the street from you. It may also be that neighbor who lives across the border. How does God want to use you? Now, as Ann said today, you have an opportunity when you leave here today to, 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 to sponsor a child. $38 a month. Folks, can I tell you something? That's $1.25 a day. $1.25. C- c- could you cut out one Coke in order to sponsor a child? Some of us drink way too much soda, don't we? That that's could could you could you just scale back a little bit on your Starbucks consumption? Some of you are spending twenty nine ninety five a day at Starbucks. You know, it's like two cups of coffee. You know, brew your own. Go, go to Guatemala. They've got great coffee there. That's it. We're all going to Guatemala. And we're going to put Starbucks out of business. Just kidding. Starbucks, I love you, and if you're listening today, I, I will be in your doors probably after this service. But, but $1.25 a day. Some of us smoke more than that a day, don't we? I don't know what the average cigarette cost. I don't know what the average, you know, drink at the bar runs you. I don't know, you know, how much you're paying on Entertainment or whatever, but when you look at it from a perspective of a dollar twenty-five, it's really not a lot, is it? We 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 throw that a lot of us around pretty easily, dear corn. I think grass-fed is better, and if you have to bait them, to, I'm just just telling you. Cavemen went out and tracked them down, bro. With a club. Just get your stick. Focus. $1.25 a day, we can make a difference in someone's life. Now, please hear my heart. Please hear my heart. Don't zone out on me. Because here's what I'm not trying to do today. Guys, I am not trying to pressure you to do something. I'm not. And if you felt that way you've that's not my heart I I, I certainly don't want you to feel coerced today Ken you would probably in fact you told us like what if people don't sponsor child that's fine we that's fine we we don't want you to feel like oh gosh I'm a sinner doomed for hell if I don't take a kid off the fishing line outside that's not in the bible you're not you know so we, we, we by no means are trying to coerce you or force you to do anything. Here's what I do ask. This is what I desire for every one of us. I desire this for everyone that comes into this house every week. Listen, I want us to be a, a church that, that ask God to speak to us and that we would let God speak to us. In fact, that, that's the greatest thing to me you could do in this moment is that you would just simply say, hey, God, what do you want me to do in, in, in light of what we've been a part of here today? Here's what's gonna happen. God is speaking to some of you right now to sponsor children, but to some of you, he's not. And you know what? That's okay. Seriously, it's okay. It's okay not to sponsor. He's calling some of you to maybe... Go feed homeless people on a Friday or Saturday night, right? He may be calling some of you right now in this moment to to mow the yard of of someone in your neighborhood. He may be calling some of you right now to offer free childcare for for someone in need that you know. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but here's what I do know. He's to take some sort of action. Action. Guys, Christianity, following Jesus is about action. It's not about sitting and soaking, occupying a thing called a pew. No. He's calling us to action. He's calling us to be people that advance his kingdom. I do know that. And so whatever God is calling you today, here's my prayer, that you would just respond to him joyfully. Joyfully. So Lord, that's my prayer for the folks in the house today. That God, we would listen to you, that we would allow you to speak to us, and that God, we would respond with a joyful heart. That we would be a people of action. Whatever that looks like, God, here we are. Use us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.